Well, good morning, Austin Oaks Church. Glad to see you this morning. Name is Brandon Ziski. If you are a guest with us, uh, visiting with us here to visit friends and family for the holiday season, we are thrilled that you're here. We want to let you know a little bit about who we are as a church. We're a church that strives to be simply all about Jesus. We believe that He's the game changer, and that's why we want to help people meet, know, and follow Him. Uh, because when you do, man, I'm telling you, it changes everything. And so real quick, um, hats off to you for coming. You are overachievers. I love it because that probably means you're going to be in church twice this week because Christmas Eve is Tuesday. I want to invite you back here at Christmas Eve, two services, three and five. Um, I want to encourage you to invite friends and family. Each service will be identical. Um, it'll be an hour long. It's going to be full of the gospel praise. You're not going to want to miss it. I want to encourage you to do that. Um, this morning... Okay, I'm just going to let you know, I already had two services, and so I'm pretty amped up, okay, because God is doing some good things in our church, and I'm excited to share this with you this morning, and so we're going to do some things that are a little bit different, um, and we're going to celebrate this morning, okay, because funny thing, like celebrate in church, yes, it happens. So we're going to celebrate this morning, so I want you to, to loosen up and, and get ready, because if you don't clap, if you don't hoot, if you don't holler, if there's nobody dancing, this is going to be really awkward for me. Okay, just letting you know. So we're going to warm up. We're going to practice. Hey, I like it. We're going to practice. Okay, now I discovered that this is a landmine, and I didn't mean it to be a landmine. I just went, hey, if we're in Austin, let's love all of Austin, okay? So let's let's celebrate this that happened uh, to one of our teams in Austin, Westlake High School, won the state championship game. Come on. Okay. So what I discovered in that, some people are like, who cares? Like, Westlake, we don't like Westlake. I'm, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I'm from the north, okay? I'm sorry. I just thought we would be nice and generous and love all people, but apparently we got work to do. <laughs> um, so if you're a guest with us, and uh, you're going to discover that we're not in a typical Christmas series. We're wrapping up a series that we called Respect the Beard. And Respect the Beard has been a series where we've been looking at sayings of, of wisdom and how we can become wise by applying what we know to be right and actually doing it in our lives. And so we've been going through Proverbs as a church, uh, one proverb a day through the month of December. And here on Sunday mornings, what we've been doing has been looking at uh, finances and money from the perspective of Solomon, who is the wisest person next to Jesus to have ever lived, who is the wealthiest person to have ever lived. And we're like, listen, you know, if, if he was God's man to give us the wisdom saints on this, and if we were to take Solomon's wealth and equate it to today's dollars, like, let's just think about it this way. He could actually pay off our national debt. That's how wealthy he was. And so um, he has better financial wisdom than Warren Buffett. And we would probably take his advice. And so we need to look at the Bible and understand what the Bible has to say about wisdom. So we've been dealing in, in the series. And so respect a beard is a symbol in ancient Israel of wisdom that would bridge the gap from the head to the heart. That's how they saw it. So the head is what we know, and the heart represented how we live. And so respect the beard, we're going to apply what we know and live it out. And so just for fun, we've been doing this Beard of the Week series. And um, hats off to you, I have more pictures of beards than I know what to do with. Okay, so please, no more. Okay, I got, it's just, there's way too many. I never want to see another beard the rest of my life, and I'm sure you don't either. However, uh, there were so many good ones. I was like, we got to have like a top, like a top level. So we did a beard of the series. Uh, and so we're, we're the gift card, the, the prize for the beard of the series is actually a really great gift card to the Austin Beard Company, which I didn't know existed. And I found out another thing. 
that Austin actually has a beard competition. Did you know that? Like, they have different categories of, like, you know, winners and losers. And the guy I was talking to said, yeah, there's, like, the longest beard, the widest beard, the fullest beard. And the one that I thought was the most bizarre was the touch. Like, you know, I was like, man, how odd. I don't want people, like, judge. Like, how do judges do it? Like, do they just pet people's beards? It's like, it's like, whatever. We're done. So, anywho, last time, which you're all probably thinking before. So, here's a runner-up. This is um, the Broccolo Kids. Josh and Samantha Broccolo, their kids aged really fast. Uh, I don't know what to say, but really cute, nonetheless. Okay, here's some runners-up. I was like, man, this guy, this guy's got a killer beard. Like, it's not, like, long, but it probably would have won the best touch. I don't know why, right? It's white, it's Christmas, had to put him up there. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's uh, you know, that's, that's next to hell right there. It's too cold. That's what that was, cold. Okay, I wanted this guy to win. I, w- I wanted this guy to win so bad. Like, I had this guy pegged for weeks. I was like, he's going to win. He's going to win. And then someone sent me an email late at the last hour, and I went, whoa. All right, drum roll, beard of the series, right here. That, my friends, is an awesome beard. Love that beard. Okay. So it's not just about facial hair. We're striving to be wise. Because when we look in the book of Proverbs, Solomon gives us three different characters, right? There's the wise, the foolish, and the simple. The wise person in Proverbs is someone, if they do, if they live out wisdom, they will actually become more wise. And so the wise person embraces and lives out what they know to be right, what they know to be true. And so that's a wise person, right? They're the ones who respect the beard. The foolish person is the one who knows the right thing to do, understands it, but chooses to not do it maybe chooses their own preference, their own opinions, or just simply just goes, I don't like it. That's the foolish person, okay? And we understand that, like Solomon is saying, it's like the gap from what you know to how you live it out equates how foolish you are, okay? And then the simple person is just simply someone who doesn't think about their life at all. They don't think about the consequences of their choices. They think they're not connected, but they are. And so you can either be the wise, the foolish, or the simple. And we discovered in this series, the reality is we're all three all the time, right? You're never always fully wise. You're never always fully foolish. Well, maybe. And some of us are not always fully simple. And again, that's probably a maybe. Right? There's some areas in our lives right now where we're wise. Right? We know the right thing and we're doing it. And if we were honest, there are areas in our lives right now where we would say we're foolish. We know the right thing, but we're choosing to not do it for whatever reason it is. And some of us might be simple. We're just choosing to not think about it. We'd rather put it off to the side because we don't want to admit it. We don't want to see it. Just kind of leave it there. And so we've been dealing with this. And before we get into the proverb this morning, I just want to do a recap. Because if I don't set us up and recap where we've been, this morning's not going to make any sense. So as we talk about money, let's just admit it. I know talking about money in church is weird. Okay? It feels awkward. It feels hard to embrace. But the reality is money's neutral. And so it means it's fair game. Right? Money is neither good nor bad. It's neutral. That's how the Bible sees it. And money's not an evil thing. To have money doesn't mean you're evil, or to be poor doesn't mean you're evil. Because in the Bible, we see there's the righteous wealthy and the unrighteous wealthy. We see the righteous poor and the unrighteous poor. The issue with money is your relationship to it. It's how you see it. It's your motives. It's how it influences you, okay? Money is neutral. We've got to understand that. Paul talked about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, okay? Now there is great gain. This is important right here because this word gain is a financial term. 
right? We want gains. There's gains and losses. And Paul's telling us right here in, in his letters, like, listen, there's great gain in godliness with contentment. There we go. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, it's the relationship to money. It's the posture to money. Money is not evil. Money is neutral. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people through into destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Right? Money is neutral. It's the love of money. It's the relationship to money. It's how it controls you. And the Bible is going to talk about this because the number one competitor for your heart is more often than not your money. Jesus taught this. And it's surprising that he taught this in Matthew 6. He's like, listen, you can't serve two masters. You'll either serve one and despise the other. Like, you will love one and hate the other. You can't serve two masters, right? And he says, you cannot serve God and, and if we were just to fill in that blank, more than likely, we would not put money in that blank. But that's what Jesus said. You cannot serve God and money. That should tell us something about our heart and how entrapping money can be. And so he wants us to understand that money can plunge us, right? If we have this temptation, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have, it's going to plunge us into self-destruction. And so Paul, he continues to teach Timothy in this passage. He's like, listen, as for the rich in this present age, without fail, without fail, every time I bring up this passage, someone will come up to me, but Pastor Brandon, I'm not rich. This doesn't apply to me. And I laugh. I'm not that mean. If, if you're here this morning, that means you had an option to come here. And if you have options, that means you're wealthy. Okay? Because most people in the world, if they choose to take a day off, that would mean that their kids don't get food. Right? If, if, if you go in your closet and there's another, you know, set of clothing in your closet, you're wealthy. If you have options of what you're going to eat after church, you're wealthy. So this applies to you. Okay? And so Paul's telling Timothy, he's like, listen, for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Money's neutral. It can be used for great good and great evil. And so that's why we got to understand that when God gives us commands, the whole book of Proverbs are wisdom sayings that help us understand how life operates. And they're from God. And so a lot of times we see God's commands as a straitjacket. Like God's just trying to bum me out. Like God's just trying to make my life miserable. He doesn't want me to do this. It's all a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's all miserable, right? And so like we see in Proverbs 3, it's like my son, listen to my words. It's a father speaking to their child saying, listen, I want to set you up for success. And here's the best way how to live. Right? A lot of times we can understand it is that God gives us commands. He's not trying to get things from you. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to set you up on the path to prosperity and joy and, and peace that comes from him. And so a lot of times we see these things and we wrestle with it. It's like, man, God, oh, what's wrong with you? All these commands. But the problem is we just simply don't understand how much God loves us. If we understood right now how much God loves us, we would see his commands and his precepts and his guidance in his word totally different because we would see them all coming from his heart of love, wanting his children 
to live a full life. But we wrestle with that because we're inherently sinful. We're selfish, and we wrestle against that. And so in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, is one of the most popular Proverbs that we have. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. That's God speaking to us like, listen, here's the best way to live. Trust in me with everything you've got. And we use this illustration of pushing the poker chips to the center of the table and just going, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm trusting you with this. And it's no surprise that right after that verse, in 3 and 5, comes verses 9 and 10 that says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Because God knows that the hardest area for us to trust him with is our wealth. And so we said that if we don't trust him with our wealth, the reality is we probably won't trust him with other things. But if we trust him with our money, we will more than likely trust him with all things. And all of this is meant to be a blessing, okay? So this morning, the reason why I'm bringing this all up is because all of this, God is trying to help us to see who he is and his heart. He's trying to get us to be more like him. And God is a generous God. When you think about Christmas in three days from now, in three days from now we celebrate Christmas and we're going to try our best to remember Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave. God's a generous God. And he knows that when we live in kind, when we live like that, we will experience life and blessing, and peace, all the things that we think money will get us. So here's the proverb that I want to go through this morning. It's in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. Solomon writes, One person gives freely, yet gains even more, and another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So when I was studying this proverb, it was fascinating because I, I read this, I was like, a ah, generous person will prosper. And I dug into the Hebrew and I was like, man, the imagery in the Hebrew is so beautiful. And I understand why our translators wrote it the way they did is because the, the language in, in, back in Hebrew, it wouldn't have made sense in our common ears today. But here's what it says in, in the Hebrew as you translate it over um, woodenly to English. It says this, the liberal soul shall be made fat. I like that. Right? Come on. Like, like, we do so much in our life to try to avoid getting fat. Right? Like, you see right here, is like, come on, the liberal soul will be made fat. And he that waters others shall be watered also himself. Okay? So here's the thought. Here's the thought. A fat soul is good. Okay? Yeah. Woo, 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 woo. Right? Exactly. Like, you don't want to go to the doctor that tells you, get fat, you'll live well, right? Like, that's not, it's just not healthy. We know that. We try so much in our life to avoid doing that. But what we see here in Scripture is that a liberal soul, a generous person, who just gives liberally, right? Who gives on behalf, on expense of themselves for the benefit of others. They will have a fat soul. They will be content and satisfied, experiencing the joy and the life that God intended for us, Okay? We understand what this, like, this is like, okay? Thanksgiving, just think back a few weeks ago. Isn't it kind of cruel that like Thanksgiving and Christmas are close together? It's like, man, I'm trying to lose weight. I just ate a bunch of food. Nonetheless, maybe that's just me. Thanksgiving, man, 
favorite holiday because you get there and you're already, you're already thinking ahead of all the great dishes that are going to be there. And for me, okay, this is, don't laugh at me, I start to make a game plan in my head, okay? Here's what I'm going to eat first, and here's how I'm going to do this, is here I'm going to save some space for this pie and that pie and that pie and this cookie and that thing, right? And you just eat, and you're, like, super satisfied. It's like the one Sunday where you're, like, you feel, like, okay to be a glutton. You're, like, I'm just going to eat. And then for me, I'm so, like, full that I just want to nap, right? And, and that's what I do. Like, that's the idea. It's like a, a fat soul. You're just, you're content. Like, God's, like, saying to you, he's like, listen, I want you to be so full of life, so satisfied that you got to understand it's the path of generosity. That's where true satisfaction is going to happen in your life. And that is hard for us because our whole world system, everything around us teaches the opposite. Our marketing, everything. The thing about the Christmas season is all meant to make us kind of feel discontent in some way, right? You don't have enough. I got to have, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have. Why do we want raises? Because I don't make enough money. For what reason? Because I got to get this, I got to get that, I got to do this, I got to do this. It just teaches us and it fuels us with all of this selfish thinking without even realizing it. And so we battle with this, which is why it's hard to talk about money. Because there's so many things that we want. There's so many areas in our hearts that we're just like off limits. That God's like, listen, I know that you think money's going to give you peace. I know that you think money's going to give you joy. I know that you think that you'll be satisfied and content when you get all this stuff. But listen, having these things will not get you what you really want. Because what you really want is not the product. What you really want isn't the house. What you really want is that it's the value that's below it that can be only found when you live a generous life. We have to understand this. And that's why we look at verse 24. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. People use this to promote prosperity theology, which basically says this, that if you give to God, God will give you a hundred times back, and he's obligated to give you. If you sow a seed of faith, if you give today, he will bless you ten times as much. That's wrong and evil and heretical and everything else. Clear? Okay, that's not what this is talking about. But Brandon, it says, gains even more. You're right. There's blessings and generosity, but it doesn't mean you're going to be blessed financially always. Sometimes, yes. It's not that you give with your left hand and also magically in your right hand you get more money. See, we think in an American mindset, when we think of wealth, we think of gain, we always tend to think, financially. A Jewish person never thought that. When they thought wealth, they thought wholeness. They thought well-being. My relationships are good. I'm content. I'm satisfied. I'm at peace. I'm joy. I have enough. It's shalom. It's peace with God, peace with other people. So when we see this, it's like, yeah, he's going to give, but you're going to get the things that we really want. We were going to get those values that we think money's going to get us. And God, listen, he loves you so much. He's laying it out. He's like, be generous because that's what you're going to, that's what you really want is this life. You want a fat soul and you can have a fat soul. You can go for it, but be generous. And it's tough. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be honest to share with you a little bit of my struggle. I read this. And my human logic and my selfishness, okay, I'm just being honest, kicks in and goes, well, if I give freely to other people, 
either my money or my time, that means I won't have enough for what I want. Anybody else, please, someone nod. I'm feeling rather naked right now. Like, right, like you ever think that you're like, if, I, if I'm generous here, that means I can't get this. If I give this time to serve here, I won't be able to have my own time to do this. Right? Like, that's, that's the world system kicking in. Because you got to have, you got to get, you got to get, you got to get, you got to have, got to have, got to have. Be selfish. Everything in our world teaches selfishness. And in fact, because of sin, we're inherently selfish. And so it's like we're, we're climbing a steep hill. But we see here there's a paradoxical truth, right? When you give away, you get more. Right? The more we give away, the more we gain. Jesus talked about this, right? In Acts 20, 35, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Think about that in three days. Right? Okay. Thank you. Like, how many of you have a hard time, again, just to be honest, if you get Christmas gifts and you, this is, I want to tell you, I, I don't like Christmas lists. I'm on a tangent right now. I'm sorry. Christmas, Christmas lists. Who are Christmas list people? Man, that just fuels greed. Sorry. Right? Like, I'm a Christmas list person, unfortunately, so I'm indicting myself. It's like, if I give a list to, to like, you know, my spouse, and she doesn't give me the things on my list, because I'm expecting to get the things on my list, and she gives me something else, I'm mad. I'm like, you didn't give me what was on my list, and you, right? It's better to give than to receive. But look at this word, blessed. When we understand the biblical word blessed, that's joy, that's shalom, that's peace, that's a fat soul. There's nothing wrong with getting. It's good to get. We like to get. In fact, you can find me later. You can give me things. Okay? But it's better to give. It's more blessed to give. And we instinctively know that. Have you ever experienced the joy that comes when you give generously without strings attached? Have you ever experienced that? And you're like, wow. It's almost like an epiphany that happens. That's how God designed us. Because it reflects Him. Now, I say all this because I want to talk to you and share with you a universal spiritual law that's at work. Regardless if you believe it's at work or not, it doesn't matter. A few weeks ago, we said it this way. It's like gravity doesn't care if you believe in it or not, okay? How you see gravity doesn't influence gravity. Gravity is a law. It's impacting you regardless, okay? This is the same thing. There's a spiritual law at work that God has established, and it's the law of reaping and sowing. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, okay, look at this. Do not be deceived. I love how blunt Paul is. He says, stop lying to yourself. <laughs> Don't think you're exempt from this. Don't think this doesn't apply to you. God will not be mocked. Like, this is his law. This is how he set the universe to be. This is a spiritual law, and it will always be in effect no matter what. Look at this. For whatever, say this word with me, whatever. Come on, let's do it again. Whatever. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Whatever you sow, whatever seeds you plant, whatever you do, you will reap. That's a law. And he goes on to say here, he's like, listen, okay, if you sow to your own flesh, if you sow to sin or selfishness or greed, whatever it is, you're going to reap from that flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, 
Well, from the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. And he encourages them. He's like, listen, do not grow weary of doing good. In other words, do not grow weary of sowing the right seed, of doing the right thing. For in due season, we will reap. It's a law for if we do not give up. This applies to way more than just money, okay? That's where the whatever comes in. I teach this principle in, in marriage counseling and premarital counseling. And I say, I say it to couples this way. I'm like, listen, here's, here's a great tip for you. You plant seeds and you pull weeds. If you can do that, you're good. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you want love, you sow seeds of love. If you want mercy, you sow seeds of mercy. If you want forgiveness, you plant forgiveness. Well, what if they don't do it back? It doesn't matter. Keep sowing it, keep sowing it, keep sowing it. For in due season, you will reap. It's a law. Pull the weeds, take out the good. Take, I mean, take out the bad, keep the good. Plant seeds, right? You will reap what you sow. Now think about this in generosity. If you're generous, the Bible has promised over and over and over and over and over, you will gain. You will be blessed more than you know. The things that you really want, you will have. He will take care of you. It's a blessing. Now, it works on the flip side. If you want to be greedy, and you want to withhold, and you want to be selfish, you will reap from that. If you want joy and peace in your life, you will not reap that if you choose to be greedy. Don't deceive yourself. That's the point. If you think you're going to find joy, you think you're going to find peace, you think you're going to find satisfaction, you think you're going to find fulfillment and have a fat soul by choosing to be selfish and greedy and withholding, it's not going to happen. Do not be mocked, or God will not be mocked. It won't happen. You see how good God's heart is to us? He's like, listen, this is the life. I want to tell you, here it is. Be generous. If you're generous, you will have a fat soul. You will find contentment, and you will be satisfied. You'll be full of joy and peace and all these other good things that God has. That's why I love this proverb. A generous person will prosper, not the American prosper, the biblical prosper. So here's the truth. You cannot be selfish and full of joy. You just can't. You can't. You might have glimpses of it. And I know some people might say to me, well, Brandon, you know, we're all selfish. Yes, we are because of the stain of sin. I get it. But this is talking about intentional choices. If I continue to choose to be grieved, if I continue to choose to be selfish, do not expect to be full of joy. Do not expect to have peace. Do not expect to be <laughs> with less anxiety and worry. It's not going to happen. God will not be mocked. Here's what we need in order for us to embrace this. This season, and I do love talking about Marty in the Christmas holidays because it talks about generosity and it points us right back to Jesus. We need a model to show us the heart of generosity. There's no one who models, there's no one who embodies generosity better than Jesus. I want to show you a few verses. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. For your sake, he became generous for your sake. At his expense, he gave you. 
out of his poverty he might become rich. We look in Philippians chapter 2, this heartbeat about Jesus. He was in the form of God, but he didn't strive to be like God or account equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but he came to serve. God so loved the world that he gave. This is what Christmas is all about. And when we celebrate Christmas in three days, we're gonna, we have to try to rise above all of the greed, all the consumerism, and all the other things that are wrapped up in Christmas and try to remember the heart of it all that is about Jesus. He came so that we could have life. And this world is anti that. So as we walk out of here, I want to give you some tools, simple little tools as we can think through this season of holidays and Christmas and the gospel. We, I want you to think about the power of awareness, okay? Now, awareness can do one of two things, specifically in relation to generosity. It can make you greedy or it can fuel your generosity. So I want to talk about the greedy aspect. Awareness can make us greedy, okay? Here's what I mean. A year and a half ago, Someone in this church invited me over to their house to have some barbecue. Loved it. Took them up on their offer. If you want to invite me over for barbecue, I won't say no. I'll come over. Okay, so, hey, you wait. Come on. Um, I went to the, my, this guy's house. Probably the best brisket that I never paid for. Right? It was so good. And I was like, man, how did you do that? You know, and then he showed me how he prepared it in the rub and all this stuff. But he goes, really, the secret is my grill. So he took me to his smoker, and I looked at it, and he's like, man, this is the latest model of da-da-da-da-da. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to make you greedy and stumble. Right? And he told me the model. And I thought my life was great. I was content before that. But when I walked out of that door, I was like, my life is horrible. I need to have that grill. And once I get that grill, everything will be made right in my life. I will be able to smoke a good brisket once a year, right? And so I started to research it and look it up and try to find the right deal on it. But I didn't know I, I was missing it until I learned about it. Once I was aware of that product, all of a sudden I went home and said, I need it. Anyone else? You ever been on a friend's boat? You're on the boat. You're having a great time on the boat. You get home, you're like, I need a boat. Everything is now out of balance because you don't have a boat. You thought your life was great, but until then. Right? Maybe it's a TV. Right? You went to your friend's house and they got a, like an OLED 7 million HD pixel. I don't know. And you're like, my TV's from the Stone Age, even though it's 70 inches wide. And da, 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 da. But I didn't know. I didn't need that. My life is horrible until I get that. Awareness can make you greedy. Right? How many times have you been to a friend's house or whatever it is and you're like, I didn't know that existed. My life is horrible. And so I get it. Upgrades? Any, anybody are upgrade junkies? You don't have to admit it. You can just not. I know some of you are. Oh, i got to have the latest iPhone 700 XS, whatever it is. It came out with a new thing, right, where we start to understand that today's awesome is tomorrow's awful, right? And so it's just like, I, when, like shopping, I hate shopping. And here's why I hate shopping. It makes me so discontent. Window shopping, ooh, man. Like life is good, and all of a sudden I'm, shop, I'm walking around like, I don't have that coat. I'm horrible. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Awareness can fuel your greed. You've got to be careful. You've got to understand that this world is designed to make you feel discontent. 
This world is designed to say, you've got to go after your own. You've got to get this, you've got to get this. And if you were generous, then you wouldn't be able to buy that. There's nothing wrong with having things. Don't hear that. It's all about the motive. It's all about the relationship. It's all about the heart. But I'm doing this to help you be aware and to empower you to understand the power of awareness. It also works the opposite way. Awareness can fuel generosity. Now, I want to ask a question. Why does $100 feel really small when you're at the mall, but it feels really large at a church? I'm feeling arrows. I'm just, I'm just talking, okay? I'm just talking, okay? You know why it feels really small at the mall? Because there's a pair of jeans that cost 120 I know some of you might buy it at Walmart. I get it. It's an illustration. Hang with me. Right? But then it's like, oh, the church just wants my money. They're given to a cause. What, what difference does this make? Never underestimate the power of your generosity. Never underestimate it. This Christmas Eve here at Austin Oaks, the reason why I used $100 as an example is we're going to ask the church, everybody in here, guests, Austin Oaks regular, to think about giving $100 to African New Life. Um, African New Life is a ministry we support and we love them. We're partnering with them. You know, and it's, it's $100. And usually we average... 1,500 people here on a, on a Christmas Eve, that's going to be 100 times 15, 150,000. Well, guess what? They need to reach a community that has no church, has no opportunity to reach children, and they adopt children. It's in Rwanda. They have opportunities to empower women and, and husbands and all this kind of stuff, and they need to build a church, and that's their gateway into that community. And when Pastor Charles was telling me about it and I heard about it, I was like, yep, that's us. We'll own it. We'll own it. Also, church will own it. And and I asked, well, how much? And he said, 150000 I was like, not a big deal. $100. That $100, if you give to that, it's going to impact lives. But we don't think that way. We think about what I won't have. If I give $100, that means I might not be able to get this. But you've got to understand, your soul was designed to be caught up in something larger, something greater, because what you really want is a fat soul. What you really want is, is peace and to be caught up in a fulfillment of a greater cause, which is called the gospel. And we get the opportunity to do that by being generous. And so I wanted to share with you a few things here at Austin Oaks Church, because a lot of times people only see what happens at church here on a Sunday. We oftentimes don't make the connection from what we give to impact. So I want to help you to be aware of what's happening in and through Austin Oaks Church, through your generosity. Now, again, this is where you celebrate, okay? Like, I really want you to celebrate and understand what God has done through your yes. So we started out this series of generosity a few weeks ago and launched with Operation Christmas Child. If you remember, we said, hey, let's make sure we smash the goal. I think the goal is like 300 boxes or something like that. And we, we gathered together enough to have 616 boxes. And that was amazing. Yeah. That, now, Operation Christmas Child, for those of you who don't know what it is, 
It's where we pack a shoebox full of gifts, small things, we send it to a third world country, right? And we give it to kids who've never experienced a gift or never experienced Christmas. They get a tangible gift given by us. We write them a letter, and they also have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Folks, that small price tag that took you to make a box, 616 boxes are going to 616 kids with a specific name that your Father in Heaven loves. They're going to get a tangible gift of love through gifts. But not only that, they're going to hear the story of Jesus Christ. And who knows if your small gift of generosity is going to help them to become saved and made alive in Jesus. And who knows if that person is going to cause some sort of revival in Africa or whatever it is. Never underestimate your generosity. Let me talk to you about some other things that happened in our church. That's phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. Man, I, I get a little riled up here. We have a benevolence fund in our budget that's funded by you when you give. This year, 2019, we gave roughly about $35,000 to people in our church, in our local community who had tangible needs like rent, car, gas, groceries, clothes. We set the benevolence fund for those gift cards that we encouraged you to give out to give to people in need, just an act of compassion. Stories upon stories are flooding in of those uh, blessings that happen. Like, we, we, we read, that, we hear that, and we're like, yeah. But I just heard a story, literally, after the second service over there, of somebody who gave two gift cards to a mom in HEP. It had four kids and one at home. And she said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you just gave this to me. And they started to have a story. She's like, yesterday, I just got off the street finally. Didn't have anything. And all of a sudden, just in that moment, she got $100. And all of a sudden, she starts talking about church and the gospel and all this kind of stuff. Like, that, that's your simple yes. Never underestimate the power of your generosity. Last week was Africa um, Kids Choir that was here. And if you were with us, it was awesome time, right? You got to be sort of entertained by their show and their songs, but also our eyes and our hearts were opened up to what's happening in their world and how we can come alongside of them. And they always collect an offering after that. And the guy who counts their money said, on average, it's between 4000 to 6000 We hope for 6000 And to be honest, some of us staff are like, we might not get 6000 so will we compensate from the budget if we do? If we don't get it, we're like, yeah, let's do that. As the guy was counting the money, he looked to the team that was counting our offering and said, I've never seen an offering this big. Last Sunday, this church gave 20000 to Africa. Like, those are going to names of kids and countries. Every name is known by your Father in heaven. A few weeks ago, we launched this thing called the Resource Initiative. This is so cool. I love it. The Resource Initiative was just something we felt like the guy's like, you got to do this. Okay? And, and it was launched because we're seeing some facility needs that are, we're like, we got to take care of our house. There's some opportunities in our ministries and things that we can do to, you know, give this facility an uplift, you know, a facelift and all this kind of stuff. But we're like, listen, we got to get our budget and our house in order. And so we got our budget in order as we teach you guys how to manage money God's way with, you know, like give 10, save 10, live on 80. We, we got to get our budget right. So we had to make some 
pretty hard budget decisions to make sure that we got back on the path as it relates to honoring God with the money that comes in. And so we doubled our missions, which is really exciting because we're going to start ramping up our missions. We're going to make sure that we're ramping it get to 10%, at least 10%, because we want to give back out to our local missions and global missions. It's so amazing. But nonetheless, we launched this resource initiative kind of like randomly, a few weeks ago, we said, we're going to eliminate $500,000 of debt by the end of the year. Some people thought I was nuts. I thought I was nuts. Quickly threw it out there, had a few family meetings. Church, come on. That's done, man. Come on. But don't stop giving to the resource initiative, okay? The debt was step one. But it's amazing how God starts to stir. And it, it was, we've been in a series, we challenged you, some of you if you wanted to, to fill out that faith commitment card and getting back on the path or taking your next step and you're giving. So many cards came in. It was such an honor to pray for you individually. There were so many people who started their giving that have never given before. I'm so proud of you. For those of you who said 1%, 2%, absolutely proud of you. You're putting skin in the game. You're walking by faith. You're getting on the path. You're starting to trust God with it. And some of you went from 10% to 20%. Proud of you. You're listening to him. And this is not because of me. You're, you're understanding God's heart and you're listening to him. You're saying, God, how, what? And you're doing it and you're responding. Folks, this is awesome, Okay. So like when you look at the Bible, when God gets people's hearts, generosity is usually the first thing that follows. And the next thing you know is this mighty movement of God that happens because people are rising up to be generous. Folks, I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. If this is all like starting to percolate and happen, that tells me as a pastor, like God is getting our heart and that's really exciting. And I want to tell you some things like, where is this money going? Because some people are like, okay, we give to the church, but where does it go? Folks, listen. Every single dollar that you give is going to life change. Every single dollar that's going is going to either a facility or a program or a ministry or opportunities for people to meet, know, and follow Jesus. 25 people got baptized this year. Handfuls of people came to know the Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ this year. When I came in, I said to, to the staff, I said, I want to see 75% of Austin Oaks Church, all of Austin Oaks Church, 75% in a small group. In 2019, we saw two, over, over 200 people join a small group for the first time. We moved the barometer by 20%. That's amazing. People are getting in the Word, in community, sharing life, praying, growing with each other. But not only that, because you're like, well, so what? Your dollars create opportunities for that to happen. Your dollars are investing in life change. Marriages, there's been multiple marriages that were on the brink of divorce that got rescued and now are prospering. People who were stuck in addictions that are now finding freedom in CR and other counseling ministries because of the dollars that you give. Not only just the money, but like the countless hours of serving. There are so many amazing things that are happening to our children over there because people like you say, yes, I'm going to give them my time to serve youth and middle school and high school, I could go on and on and on about all the things that are happening here. And I want you to understand that the dollars you are giving are going to life change. 
Awareness fuels our generosity. It's not just because you have to. I have to share this one. We have two prison ministries at Austin Oaks Church. They're awesome. God of Hope and uh, New Life in Christ. Got some numbers from New Life in Christ of what happens. There are so many people in our church that volunteer with New, um, New Life in Christ. And you write letters to inmates, asking them questions and sharing the gospel with them. I want to share with you some things that have happened in 2019. 164 inmates accepted Jesus. Come on. This blew me away. I shared that last service. I had no idea. Shared this last service. A mother comes up to me. She goes, my son was one of them. Do you know how awesome that is? We get to be part of that. That makes your soul fat, doesn't it? 236 of those inmates went through a 12-step study. And then there's a, like a more advanced track, and 83 of them went and did that. And these folks, they spend hours. There's going to be folks in the offices right at the church writing letters. It's amazing. For what it's worth, I'm so proud of you as your pastor. So proud of you. Father is so pleased. I truly believe it. The best is yet to come. God is good in our heart. There's so much to be done. And here's the deal, folks. It's not about money. It's not about money. It's about God having your heart or not. I hope that now you understand why it's okay to talk about money in church. There's so much to be done. Choose to be generous because God wants to fatten your soul. Would you pray with me? Father, it is such a delight and honor to be used in this capacity, Lord. We absolutely don't deserve it. And we think about our own lives and how generosity is a gift without strings attached. And we think about where we were without Jesus. Lost in our sin, dead in our sin, hating you, not even thinking about you, but yet you came. You gave, you searched, you found, you spent it all for us. While we were enemies, you died. The greatest picture of generosity. And that's what Christmas is. Is understanding this gift. Lord, I pray that as we end this year and as we get ready for the next, Lord, that we would grow in our understanding of how much you love Lord, I pray that we would continue to have our hearts open and our hands open and a posture ready to say yes. So, Lord, would you bless us this time? Would you open our eyes to see you at work, Lord? 
Would your spirit grace us now as we sing back to you? It's a sacrifice of praise. It's, it's our worship back to you. And Lord, I just ask that you'd use this time to help us gather our thoughts and center our hearts. All the glory to you, Lord.